Welcome to Panelism, a podcast where we talk about the comics and graphic novels we're reading. I'm Todd A. Taylor Trask. Hey. Good to talk to you again. Uh, we are on episode 98 now. <laughs> we're just That's counting right. down or yeah, counting up to 100, uh, after which point we will continue to count up. Really, and then we will issue our manifesto to America, <laughs> along with uh, <laughs> that will come in episode six one six, and then uh, with instructions on what to do when the uh, you know when the aliens come, all of it will be revealed at episode one hundred. So just oh, so perfect, such a perfect lead in to this crazy ass book that I'm going to talk about, which. <laughs> I, I don't I don't even feel like we should uh, uh beat around the bush too much you know like I, I kind of wanted to do a little a little banter at the beginning um, but we did that before the last episode that we recorded which um, in episode 97 you talked about before Watchmen's Ozymandias mm -hmm. and you've done all this beautiful research and like you had all these you put this like character struggle in such a, a great light and described everything so well <laughs> and I've just brought chaos to the proceedings ah. and of course we we're recording these on the same day so um we're back to back i'm just like even more i, I don't know even it's even more of a struggle to to try to <laughs> uh I, I guess the thing is like I, I i'm not oh boy you and i always talk offline and sometimes online maybe uh or sometimes on the podcast about what we would do would we ever review a book that we didn't like mm. and that comes up I, a lot actually yeah, and we we haven't really done it, you know. I wouldn't say, like. I think we've been maybe slightly critical of things, but yeah. generally our outlook is there's plenty of books not to read. We just want to give you a list of stuff to read. Like yeah. this is good stuff. Well, it's, and, it's comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. Exactly. Thank you. And this is uh, I, I, this is not worth having. I guess <laughs> that's where I should just say this is a, um, this is a word. This is a buyer beware uh, episode, I guess. And not, maybe not a buyer beware, but um, I wanted to revisit this. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me name this book. Yeah. Uh, this is called, <laughs> it's a manga and it is called Canon God X Axion stage one. Now and, that is a the best rapper name I have ever heard. That beats XXX Tentacon, whatever that guy's name is. That like this is we should start a posse and yep. um, one of us can be named, and then I'll come up with a second rap name for myself. You can be Canon God, Exaxion Stage One. And I'll, just, <laughs> I'll be <laughs> I'll be like stage two or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Well, that is what volume two is called. <laughs> the five volumes of this are all named in stages. Oh. Um, it is by uh, uh and I hope I'm I'm pronouncing this name right. Unfortunately, it well, it's by Konichi uh Sonoda. And unfortunately, in my nope. head, I have pronounced it Sonoda for like 10 years. So I, I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth as we record this, but um, it was published by Dark Horse, released released in 2001 in the States by Dark Horse. Uh, it was originally released in Japan in 1998. So, you know, keep that in mind. It's uh, what's that just 20 years old, though? That's, that was back in those know. dark times when like other countries would get things and we'd be like one day and then four or five years later, you know, like, yeah, that was I've back heard like, of this great book. Yeah. And it's like now it's just like. Pfft. Same that's, day translation. Here you go. It's like, why bother to wait? Yeah. So that's, you know, I, I, like I said, I don't, it, I would say it's not worth having on your shelf, but I <laughs> wanted to revisit it um, in, in sort of the context in which I bought it. And then okay. when I reread it, I went, 
oh my God, this raises so many sort of troubling, but possibly interesting things to discuss with you. And let's see, like, I just kind of took it on, uh, took on this challenge of like, let, let, let's just see if Taylor and I can do this, you know? Okay. Um, challenge accepted. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I did not get into it in 2001, uh, much less 1998. Um, I probably got it around 2009 or 10, um, but I got into it because I had read, good God, I don't know, like nine volumes of uh, Konichi Sonoda's other huge manga, for which he is much more famous, called Gunsmith Cats. And I've mentioned it a couple times here, uh, and I, just in a throwaway way of like, this is one of my favorite mangas. Um it, it gunsmith cats i remember someone pitching it like it when the when dark horse started doing the re-releases of that so dark horse re-released gunsmith cats in like a almost omnibus form like several of these volumes came out as just huge thick uh you know small like manga size small you know like six uh, six by nine or less uh kind of paperback but you know just very thick not like a five issue arc but like here's 25 issues or something mm -hmm. so they started putting these out in um where they were not flipped which is a big deal in manga um so they had been translated into english but you read them right to left oh so weird okay. open the back cover and then flip through it right to left and that really i, I mean i've heard i'm not going to pretend i'm like some you know, <laughs> genius art scholar that understands this, but uh, it, you know, it helps you see the perspective that the artist was drawing certain yeah. things. In, you oh know? yeah. Um, because I mean, you think they've literally flipped all the pages backwards. So stuff doesn't line up. Right. I just remember when I was reading death note, which we talked about oh, yeah. several episodes ago. Um, but that, you know, I was happy to see, that it was, even though it was translated in English, that it still kept the true manga format. That was, yeah. that helped. That story especially needs that. I mean, I, I've heard some people argue that some manga doesn't, it doesn't really matter, but that particular book did absolutely need to go in, in, the, in the style. Just there was something about the flow and the cadence of going right to left, you know, reading it like it was originally meant to be that, that heightens it. Right. And I, I can't really speak with authority on whether this, uh, you know, works better right or left, but I, so I ended up, um, I, I just love this book. They, so they put out these big, you know, fat volumes of it. And then they started putting out slim volumes of like a continuing story that I guess he had done maybe after the original run. And it was, I remember it being pitched at the time, like on a comics blog, I was reading of like, this is my favorite, you know, some other comics reader had, had put this up and said, Oh my God, this is my favorite release this week. You know, it's girls running a gun shop who are obsessed with muscle cars. They live in Chicago. And I was like, wow. Okay. Um, and it was, you know, it was sort of a, a crazy take on, <laughs> you know, it's just, it was just crazy that like, and, and obviously like uh, Japanese, a manga artist and writer sort of portrayed America in this way. And it wasn't like not in some great, you know, political uh, commentary or anything like that. Just funny that it's like, Hey, I'm going to put all these macho, macho things together. You know, it's going to be about these, you know, these two girls and they run a gun shop and they love, you know, their muscle cars and, and they're in Chicago. So I guess that makes it all even more muscular or <laughs> sausage festy or something. They're not, in, they're not in, 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 in uh, Sarasota Springs. Right. It's, it is Chicago. Yeah. You got, it's, you gotta have it. There. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I had read that. I'd really enjoyed it. 
Um, I'll get into some of the now revisiting those feelings of enjoyment after reading this. Uh, and then along the way, as I, you know, kind of ran out of, they stopped publishing them because they ran out of stuff to publish. And I ended up finding some of the original Dark Horse trades of Gunsmith Cats, which were published in the left to right format. So I actually have a couple of volumes where I can compare left, right, right, left. Mm -hmm. um, and <clears throat> then I, I had heard that uh, Sonoda had done this other like legendary series. Um, and it was, uh, I, and I guess it ran before uh, um, Gunsmith. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but actually that'd be good to verify if, if you want to Google that for me. Um, I, anyway, that was my perception was that he had done this one before Gunsmith Cats which was just so well received and it was him doing a sci-fi kind of a take on mechs and um, you know, just a, a the, that manga form of, of mechs and sci-fi and spaceships and robots and stuff like that. And, and so it was very hard for me to hunt down, even though this was the internet age uh, I hadn't yet developed that reflex of just going to Amazon and searching for anything. Um, or maybe I had and it just wasn't available. I eventually stumbled across two volumes only. So I only have stage one and two read them and kind of went, Ugh, you know, I don't, I'm not into it. I don't, it just sort of sat there on my shelf. So when I revisited it a couple of weeks ago, you know, specifically for our podcast, I went in thinking like, you know what, I'm going to like figure this out. Is this any good? Is it like, you know, what, what am I missing out on here? Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, I'm going to try to describe the story to you. I might as well read the back cover, which is the thing we do. But as I often point out, <laughs> back cover sometimes gets me more lost. Uh, <laughs> and I don't want to spoil anything, but it just sounds so freaking bonkers on the back cover. I don't think it will spoil anything. Okay. Here, here's the back cover. <clears throat> Take. I'm sure this was written by like a dark horse marketing person, you know, that was like, how do we talk about this? Like it just, anyway, you'd be in shock too. Let's say you're a Hoichi Kano, uh, typical high school student. Earth has been taken over by what seems to be a kindly coexisting race of aliens. Your brilliant and depraved grandfather, whom you haven't seen in years, shows up to deliver a sexy android and an integrated, armored, nearly indestructible gun suit for your personal use. And just in time, because a ball-shaped robot with razor blade arms has just sliced through a wall like soft butter. Think that's a bit of a culture shock? Wait until you find that our alien friends aren't quite as friendly as we thought and that this mechanical monstrosity is just the tip of the invasion iceberg. Now, this reminds me, there's a uh, anime series called One Punch Man. Yes. That um, this sort of, just hearing that sort of brings to mind series yeah. like just kind of these insane kind of Japanese like scenarios that just, right. that, you know, are almost simple, but then just like they're they're so crazy that they can kind of, use that simplicity of, you know, to their, their benefit, but then still talk about some interesting ideas. Is that one of, is this series kind of like that? I wish. Um, <laughs> okay. I, and you know what I've just discovered is that this actually came out after gunsmith cats. So that, that really casts it in a different light. Ah, um, gunsmith cats, by the way, it was 91 to 97. And then, uh, Canon God came out from 97 to 2004. Yeah. Uh, in Japan. 
And he worked on like, obviously we've, we've both done the Googling now he worked on bubblegum crisis. Um, so it, it's definitely in that style of like the alien invasion, the, you know, like the, the big mechs and, and all that kind of stuff. I, the back cover almost makes it sound campy in an intentional way. Okay. And I think what I discovered, I think when I read gunsmith cats and now that I've reread this, I want to go back and reread gunsmith cats and talk about it. Um, because I think it is going to be uh, <laughs> problematic <laughs> to, to use a phrase uh, in in the in the culture right now. Um, so uh, the the back cover makes it sound campy, and I think when I read Gunsmith Cats, I thought Gunsmith Cats was sort of meant to be campy, and I think I just sort of bought into that, like like almost like <clears throat> enjoying Fast and Furious movies. You know, that's mm -hmm. sort of what I took to Gunsmith Cats. What if uh, the the leads in this were uh, uh, Gal Gadot and, um, uh, and not Michelle Rodriguez because I didn't really like her in that, but you know one of the others that I really liked. Uh, who else was in Fast and Furious? Oh my God, um, Elsa Pataki was she the? Uh, I have I'm like you. I've, oh I've barely. Anyway, I, I know I know we've talked about Fast and Furious <laughs> as as something more than I envision it, but I still haven't yet put I know toe it's in the waters of those. So forgivable. Um, so the uh, yeah, so I, I I think I took that to Gunsmith Cats, like or at least that was you know I read it as campy, and so when I reread this one for sure, and <clears throat> when I read it the first when I read Canon God the first time, I think I was pulled back from that campiness and I went, Oh wait, this isn't somehow I'm not getting the fun of gunsmith cats. So when I reread it, I went, Oh my God, this is kind of disgusting in certain ways. And I, and, and does that, you know, do I need to now go back and read gunsmith cats and figure out like, was I just a lecherous person when I read this <laughs> <laughs> or was it actually like enjoyable and kind of campy? Uh, because it's so weird to me now, especially in this moment of learning like, oh, this did not actually precede Gunsmith Cats. It came afterwards. And it's like, man, you already knew how to do campy. So, you know, why? Well, I still feel like you're kind of dancing around the issue. Okay. Is, is, this, so, is it overtly sexist? Is it like, yeah. is it is this Japanese businessman buying girls panties on the... Definitely. Uh, it is. Okay. It's not, not maybe not quite that bad. I don't know that there's a panty vending machine in this, but let, let me go back to that, like that back cover and kind of give you the details of that. So okay. uh, Hoichi Kano is this, um, he's a student and he does not like, so in this school, in this earth, let me back up another step. Uh, we, we have been invaded by this alien race called the Rio Faldians. And they have given us this technology that allows us to develop our tech so much farther ahead than what we used to be. Like all of a sudden, like a cell phone, you know, this would, this would sort of be, I guess, present day 1998 when it was written. So all of a sudden, uh, you know, a, a cell phone from 1998 is like a smartphone phone from now, you know, the, the, they can't believe the tech they've gotten and it. And it's like everywhere, you know, it's not just phones, it's TVs, it's these, um, these uh, floating advertising sort of UFOs that like just this drone that floats around and shows advertisements over the city. Mm -hmm. um, every So everything has this real Faldian tech in it. And the real Faldians are just totally integrated into society. So Hoichi goes to this school where one of his teachers is a real Faldian and he will not attend her class because his grandfather is sort of like the Alex Jones of this world and has been <laughs> preaching for years that the real Faldians 
are going to take us over. Like they're like the lizard people. Maybe I should have said David Icke. So they're like the lizard people that are like they're, they've see, you know, secreted themselves in here and there something bad's going to happen. Okay. But his grandfather, oh, I'm sorry. Did I interrupt? Were you about to ask something? No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just nodding oh. along. The grandfather is also like unreasonably rich because he's also this technical genius. So he's a little bit of Doc Brown too. Okay. So he has developed all these technologies on his own and we will learn some of them are because he was able to reverse engineer real Faldian tech. Um, but then he's patented those things. And so the patents from this have made him this rich man. He lives on this Island. So, <clears throat> Uh, on this typical day, Huichi is skipping class and his friend Akane Hino, um, who is, uh, looks much younger than him, but I, or yeah, younger. Yeah. They're in the same class, but, but she looks much younger. Um, she is always carrying a camcorder around, which of course has been enhanced with this real Faldian tech, but it looks like a, you know, just a digital video camcorder. Mm -hmm. Um, and Akane is sort of harassing him. Like, you should go to this class. You shouldn't be, you know, don't listen to your grandfather. Like nobody's seen him in years. And that's when we learn that he's, he's on this Island and, and he doesn't talk whatever. Um, meanwhile, in the class, this new student shows up named Isaka Minagata. So I, again, apologize. Uh, there are a lot of names here and nobody has like an easy, like, <laughs> you know, like nickname. There's no Superman's or anything. Um, so Isaka, uh, exp everyone thinks she's so hot. They, they're just really blown away. She introduces herself to this real Faldian teacher. Um, <clears throat> and there's a lot of gratuitous shots of her chest and, you know, she's dressed. There's nothing exploitative in that way, but it's definitely like the, you know, I think what would be called fan service in manga. Okay. Um, and, you know, the boys are all like hubba hubba, you know, and saying all these two stupid things. And she, meanwhile, says, isn't Hoichi Kano supposed to be in this class? And they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, who Hoichi. And she's like, yeah, like we go way back. And uh, so all the students are immediately jealous. Like, how does Hoichi know this, this hot girl? And before the class is even over, Isaka says, you know what? I'm feeling really ill. <laughs> I go to the nurse's station. So she just leaves because Hoichi's not there. So she meets Hoichi outside and he's like, hubba hubba, <laughs> who is this girl? And, uh, you know, Akane, we kind of learn like sort of has a thing for Hoichi. And so she's a little bit jealous, a little suspicious of this do new girl actually, that shows up. I'm sorry. Do they actually use the words hubba hubba? When they, when uh, they, uh, I don't think they do, but it's something just as stupid. So I definitely wanted to. Um, another another 1920s colloquialism. <laughs> 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 they, Abba, they say, Abba, what a dame <laughs> she's all right it's just, it's let, just let me read you some of the things they say they say look at them puppies <laughs> oh my god that is it is 9.5 maybe a perfect 10 oh my god um so yeah I how that i wonder what the original translation actually is like how they had to, how much they had to stretch if, he's, if he says hubba hubba in it that would be yeah. amazing like yeah, in, yeah. in japanese if that's what he said so anyway she locates um huichi i, I don't want to you know go panel by panel through this um akane's you know jealous doesn't understand this relationship and like instantly it's like huichi's like i got a girlfriend we're gonna go make out all this is cool but then she is explaining like, I, you know, your grandfather's here. He wants me to give you this. And then boom, there's grandpa. He's like on the roof of the school. And like, what the hell is going on? And they, they give Hoichi this package. That Party! Is a, Hoi yeah, that is Hoichi, the... Uh, you gotta date this girl! <laughs> what they, what it is a, a 
It's like, oh, oh my God, yes. <laughs> it just a that's where the back cover comes back in. Your brilliant and depraved grandfather. Wow. So he shows up and gives him this indestructible gun suit. So it's sort of like a flight suit, but it's got like Iron Man properties where he okay. can, he can he can get shot and it's fine. And he has he's wearing like a motorcycle helmet basically with the suit. And it's it's an Iron Man kind of thing where it's it's like on a glove. And he just says the magic words or he taps it or something. And, you know, it, it comes out of the glove and it's like covers him and the helmet comes on and covers his face. But he keeps breaking the visor on the thing. So it's obviously not that protective mm-hmm. um, because that will like spoil his identity. So whenever that happens, they're like, get out of the way. <laughs> Don't let anyone see you. Um, so just then, uh, it, it, you know, this this happens and. um Hoichi's like, well, this is crazy. Why do I need this? And this, you know, this robot attacks the school. And so he's able to defend that. So what we learn pretty quickly is <clears throat> there is this um, unveiling of this giant rocket ship that the real Faldians have collaborated with the Earthlings on. And that's what all the students are watching on TV that day. And this is the big thing. You know, it's like the space shuttle launching or something like what we used to do in the 80s. All the classrooms are watching. Um, and at the moment where you know everyone's waiting for this big dramatic announcement the real faldians announce we're taking over earth and psych the, the hull of this thing opens and it is this giant humanoid shaped robot thing it's like a pacific rim kind of uh you know mech okay. and it, its chest is a giant cannon and it fires this cannon um and I can't remember exactly. I know where one of them goes, but I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's a, uh, anyway, it's, you know, it's devastating. And also what they do is they disable every like electronic device that has their tech in it. Mm. And the, you know, so, so basically they have, they have established total control of everything. And so one of these drones has appeared at the school and that's what Huichi is fighting in his gun suit. So <laughs> Here's here's where I don't have to keep going into the details. At one point, um, you know, I guess when Hoichi's visor is damaged in one of the uh, accidents or something, he has to go like uh, Isaka has to, you know, says, I can help you out. I can repair your suit. And he's like, okay, you know, let's get this done. And she takes his hand and puts it on her enormous breast and it like disappears in her breast. I can't believe I'm describing this on a podcast. And (laughs) She is like a nanotech kind of android. Oh, okay. And so her whole body is is like a gooey transformer. And <laughs> so she repairs this through the nanotech. So the nanotech also comes in because when he starts to find people who have been devastated in an attack, he can just literally lay hands on them. And the nanotech from his suit will creep into their bodies and fix them. So he's like this God savior kind of thing, which is not, doesn't have anything to do with the name of the book yet, at least that I know. Um, anyway, at, uh, <laughs> so then of course they have to, they have to fly to go do something else. And in these cut scenes where it shows the grandfather never actually visited him on the school, that was a hologram. The grandfather's still on his Island base and he is surrounded by people that look just like Azaka. So it's just, large chested women. So wait, how did the grandpa know to build them off of, of her, uh, model? Like, Oh, it's no, it's not her. I mean, he, like he built her, he built Asaka. Oh, so the original time. Okay. So when Asaka first met, that's not, that's not the tech that he has 
reverse engineered. But the first she, time, but the first time was, when when Asaka says, "Oh, I know Hoichi," when they right. met before, she no. was, she was an android then. They had not. They had never met before. Oh, okay. She was just saying we go way back because the grandfather had like told her all that, I guess, I or see. something. It was okay. just a ruse. So yeah, because Hoichi the whole time is like he thinks she's a real girl and he wants to make out with her and she has this huge chest and he you know follows her outside. So anyway, so at one point they have to fly and if you've seen the cover of this book, there's like this sort of motorcycle pod thing sort of like in uh, uh return of the jedi the things that fly through the forest you know where oh, yeah. the, the yeah, front yeah. of it is sort of like it looks like a bullet mm -hmm. well <laughs> or it looks like really stretchy boobs <laughs> because the way this thing develops is that isaka is like we've got to fly there there's no time and he's like fly there and her <laughs> breasts extend and she turns into a vehicle that he sits on. Like he literally mounts this woman that looks like a giant sort of phallic or, you know, other sexual device and flies on her. And she's like a, a spaceship. This, but this a, sounds like a pretty common trope though in Japanese. Right. Uh, so at this point, I guess it's just that thing of like, it doesn't walk the line of being silly enough or gratuitous enough to be campy. Uh, and it, and it keeps falling into like, exploitative you know okay. and it's and that's where i'm curious about where gunsmith cats will will land when i reread that mm -hmm. is like did i just you know was i just not thinking with that part of my brain at the time was i not seeing this like you know as it is or was it legitimately campy i don't know mm -hmm. this one and and because of that it lacked to me it lacks all the spirit of gunsmith cats now i could be wrong i could go back and reread gunsmith cats and find out it's just as trashy but <laughs> It doesn't, you know, it, it could have played into elements of this uh, without just being this bad, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. a bad B movie. Now, so, why, why do you, how did they get four to five volumes out of this? If that's actually case? seven, as seven. I just okay. up. I mean, I, but I think what, what you're saying is right. Is that just fits into a sort of manga trope of, yeah. you know, literally like the woman literally turns into the, any object you want. You know, whether that is and and it's a battle object or it's a sex object or whatever. It's just they've <laughs> literally objectified women in this, you know? Wow. So at you know, at this point, like in the story, we then we find out that the the grandfather he lets the one big missile from the real Faldians mech destroy Mount Fuji because he uh, he tells Hoichi not to stop it because he's like, no the people on the earth need to wake up mm -hmm. and you know, it's like, damn, that's cold grandpa. And, but then he sends Hoichi out to stop the next attack and he gets in his own mech and he does it in this, as I recall, very phallic way where the, you know, the penis shaped like jet cycle that he's on, it, you know, enters a hole in the back of this thing. And, but it's, but again, it's not like in a, you know, in a, in a sexual location on a humanoid, yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah. in the back of it. So you're like, oh man, you're kind of there, but you're not silly enough that this I just get... sounds like, this sounds like a cutaway scene from the ambiguously gay it, duo. It's like if a 12 year old was, was writing something like this, because okay. it's like, it's like a 12 year old who doesn't actually know how any sexual <laughs> things work, uh -huh. you know, but it's like, I've heard of boobs and penises <laughs> and holes. <laughs> And stuff, and is like fascinated with guns and spaceships, and then just puts it all together, and it's just not fun, and it's not amusing, and it's yeah. that to me is, I mean, that's honestly that's all I can tell you about it at this point because it's yeah. 
the story <clears throat> at some point just starts to fade away because of all these badly handled, like there's no part of the story that I'm like, yeah, I want to keep reading this, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I like I've said a, a thousand times now, I just, um, I'm so curious to go back and read gunsmith cats and, and think, you know, with this new perspective of like, did, you know, was this guy being campy on purpose or is this truly just exploitation? Mm -hmm. I, I, there is another scene I should mention, which is there's a attack on the real Faldians by like some rebel humans. And it's significant because the Rio Faldian has some like the, you know, general or Colonel or whatever the guy, the he head guy has some special ability or like some science that absorbs the bullets that they shoot or whatever, but he hasn't given it to his female assistant. Who's also an alien, but she gets killed. So there's just another scene of like, yeah, here's a woman who literally jumps in front of a man who didn't even need her to try to save him because he's got this tech that stops bullets anyway. You know, culturally speaking, it'd be great to go back and see what, if this was like a trend of manga at the time, yeah. if this is like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, there is sort of this thing, this weird thing in Japanese culture where, you know, men on the Ginza will buy little girl's underwear. And it's like, why is that? Okay. Yeah. To quote, yeah. to quote Matt Damon in the informant. Why is that? Okay. Um, <laughs> As he's one of, one of his like internal monologues, he's, he yeah. mentions. That. Um, so it's like there's this thing, and I wonder how much of it's influenced culturally by that. If there's sort of this understanding in some kind of, you know, like is there a version of manga that sort of comes across more as like, you know, Tijuana Bibles, you know, almost in this right. regard, which is sort of totally exploitative. And it, is that a no? It, do they look at manga like this as like, oh, it's so it's so extreme that it's almost kind of funny. It's not meant to be, right. you know, it's, it's not tone deaf. It's it's, they just push it so far intentionally. And like, do you ever get the sense that that's the case? And and it's not doing that here, you no, know? Okay. And, and I, and I, it's another book that I thought of, of maybe including this, uh, you know, in, in our podcast at some point was this, as I, especially as I read this, I, there's this other manga that I read and I've not reread in, I don't know, a decade and a half or, or something. But I remember it being um, exploity in a way, and it was like a ninja one. Um, There's one really famous one that I think was called Battle Royale, and I think I read the one called Battle Club. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I don't recall exactly, but Battle Club was like, you know, it's like just everybody's trying to, you know, they're all fighting. But when something exploitative would happen, it would be like really obvious and they would point it out. Like there'd be this sort of meta commentary of like an arrow pointing down and it's like, don't say we didn't give you any fan service. <laughs> and so you, at that point, you knew like you're in on the Tijuana Bible kind of joke. God, you know? yeah, and yeah. I guess. And I honestly, I'm, I'm like happy to be corrected on this, uh, you know, um, by, by women. Um, but I think there's sort of a, a you know, there, it goes back to something we, we talked about a couple episodes where I had heard John Waters describe showgirls as being campy because there's a type of campy where it's presented as totally serious, but, ah, yeah. but because it's so bad and it takes itself so seriously that it becomes camp. But there's also a campy that's John Waters campy, <clears throat> which is, you know, you're, you know, making something that's trash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think of like Russ Meyer is kind of like, he knew he was making trash and his movies are trash and they're exploitative and they have a ton of violence against women. And I don't, 
like I haven't revisited them in a while, but I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think I would like them, but I don't think I would feel, uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess I would feel like he, he, he sort of knew what he was doing and he yeah, obviously yeah. had some bad ideas about, about women and sexual relations and kind of power and the dynamics and that you could examine it through all those lenses, but, but he was doing it intentionally. Whereas there's sort of this USA up all night network, uh, <laughs> slew of movies that are exploitative and yeah. they, they never quite went far enough. Uh, you know, I remember when I was working at blockbuster, um, in the, you know, post basic instinct heyday, there were like all these B movies and exploitative, uh, you know, movies, but they just were never as, you know, like accomplished or either the, you know, either they were too serious and they just had a lot of female nudity in them mm -hmm. or they were kind of campy and they had no story and they, but they weren't campy enough. You know, it's like that line. And I just think, mm -hmm. uh, Sonoda in, uh, Canon God, it's just not good. Like he just yeah. missed the line completely. He doesn't, you know, there's things where, <clears throat> like I said, there, you know, every woman is, is like a literal object for these men. And then there's things like where he really shows such reverence to things like guns. Like there's some weird detail where this kid can't use like a laser gun or a blaster against the robots, because that would obviously have the technology in it that could be taken over. So he uses like an old school 50 millimeter handgun or something. And it's like all the, like, you know, it's like labeled down to the the model and make of this gun. So it's obvious that the author knew this gun and just had this heart on for it and wanted to put it in the story. And that's all through gunsmith cats. But when I read that, I thought, Oh, that's kind of funny. It's like his take on Americans. Like they know everything about guns yeah. and cars. Yeah. So to me, I, you know, I read gunsmith cats with this totally different lens of like, he's sort of making cultural uh, commentary so even if he draws the women in in a you know very objective the objectified way it, he he's doing it knowingly or something and now i'm just not so sure so that's mm -hmm. <laughs> i hope i haven't rambled too much about that that's really where i wanted to stop it and it's you know um I, i'll field any i'll field any questions from the audience <laughs> well you covered the i think you covered oh. the story wonderfully but like the art you know manga art is always um really interesting to discuss. Is there anything unique or special about this particular book? It's actually one of the things I, I loved so much about gunsmith cats was <clears throat> it was really busy and full of action, you know, with the cars and, and guns and like, it was just very action motivated and it, and it was very, very clean while being busy mm -hmm. and so detailed. Like when this guy drew a car, you knew he had stared at a reference photo of this car for, <laughs> you know, hundreds of hours or something like yeah. every detail was in there. And this one just feels kind of like in, in, you know, in comparison, it's just sort of like, you know, he just sort of cranked it out. He phoned it in or something mm. like I, I get that part this, of the style this, was, well, let me, let me jump in. Is this, this sounds more and more like the dark Knight strikes again to the dark Knight returns, meaning yeah. that everybody has all this reverence and sort of love mm -hmm. the dark Knight returns. And then the Dark Knight Strikes again, everybody's just like, I don't know what the hell he was trying to do. Like, it, it almost kind of seems like this, you know, he had um, uh, uh, creator uh, Konichi Sonata had like this this great sort of series. And then he's like, I'll follow that up. And just nobody told him no. Yeah. 
or there was nobody there to kind of edit him <laughs> in the right way. Is that, does that make, is that a fair I, assessment? I love the idea of comparing it to the works of Frank Miller because the intended end to that trilogy uh, DC wouldn't give Frank the rights to Batman. So he rewrote it as Holy Terror, where Batman goes around, you know, killing Muslims and solving <laughs> terrorism. Uh, and it is awful. And yeah. Kenichi Sonoda in this, there is definitely this undercurrent of xenophobia. And it's like, oh my God, this, uh, what a weird way to portray. Like, there's no, at least uh, in stage one, and, and as I, don't even recall from stage two, but I don't remember picking up on this on any, uh, you know, shades of gray. When I read yeah. these stories, it's like, no, the aliens are bad period. Mm. You know, there's, there's no, there's no like, wait a minute. You know I mean? Like there's sort of a standoff with the teacher, um, when she tries to get out of the class and the students start approaching her. And I believe one of the robots outside the drones, like kills one of the students to defend the teacher, but it's not really explored. Like, how do we feel about this woman? She's been our friend and our mentor. And it's just, there's no subtlety, which is the same with Holy Terror, which is like Frank Miller just lost his damn mind and wrote this awful book. Well, and, it's, and Frank Miller is also known to have sort of a, you know, his treatment of women characters in his book yeah. is not great. You know, so it's just, there is interesting sort of tissue, connective tissue between the yeah. two. I, you know, but there's nothing that Sonoda does that's like outside the realm of, uh, uh, of like the manga wheelhouse all of this looks so typically manga so it's mm -hmm. even in holy terror frank miller there's like literal boot prints and stuff in the art because he he wanted to to give it this textural feel you know like where he's you know <clears throat> the batman analog in it is running around in these combat boots and frank miller's stepping on his paper with his combat boots to put that in the art you know um this has nothing like that. It's not breaking down any barriers or anything. It just looks like, you know, he phoned in, uh, you know, an exploitative sci-fi manga and that's it. Mm -hmm. So, and xenophobic, I guess that's, that's worth mentioning. I, it's like you say, it'd be interesting to sort of review what was going on in Japanese culture at the time. I don't know any of their manga from this period that I could relate it to and say, Oh, that's, you know, uh, yeah, they all lined up in 1998. They just really loved breasts or something. I well, think it's, <laughs> it's worth, I'm glad we're talking about this book because there are, you know, parents who listen to the show now and then, and there's younger folks who might listen to the show and they may be, may be wondering, well, how do I get my kid into manga or how do you, know, I'm interested in going to manga and a, and a title like, you know, that's sort of as fantastical and almost childish as can God X Axion stage one, like <laughs> in, in your back of the cover, sort of sort of read through by all accounts make this sound like an innocent fun youthful kind of thing so it's good to know you know appearances can be deceiving and you may find a, yeah. a sort of a different a different uh uh meal under yeah. the under the cover and the other um I, reason it's good for me to revisit this personally is that you know as comic collectors uh a lot of times we become those like you know I, you see two volumes on yourself on your shelf when you know there's seven and you're like, I gotta be a completist. Like yeah. someday I'm going to track these down. Mm -hmm. And I honestly, I think that's probably why it sprung to mind uh, recently was because with Christmas shopping and stuff, I've been going through my Amazon wish lists and I always had like the other volumes on a wish list waiting to see if they would ever appear, you know, mm -hmm. um, because well, they do appear, but it's like they're at collector prices, you know? Mm -hmm. And I always knew like, I'm not going to pay that for this. So maybe it'll drop. But 
uh, that's probably what put it in my head originally. And now I know after revisiting it, like, nope, just going to put that one to bed. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> stop worrying about this. Go to book off, sell them these two for, you know, five cents or whatever they'll give me and I'm done. Off you go. Well, <laughs> that's been that's been an interesting, you know, it is good to once in a while touch on books that we don't just like are gushing over all the time. Like it is, I, I like the balance. So um, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you jumped into this. Any other thoughts before we call it a day on this episode? No, I don't, I, I don't want to uh, keep talking anymore. <laughs> no, right. like, well. <laughs> I appreciate you uh, asking such great questions and like uh, uh, coming to this, this crazy discussion, because when I, <laughs> when I texted you my pick the other day, your response was something like, what the hell? <laughs> I think I wrote, what even is that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the name itself. The title is like, I can't even like, what, huh? Well, if you want to, if, if you can't get enough of us talking and you want to hear more, you can find us anywhere podcasts are downloaded, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Google Play, um, not Spotify, although I think we're going to solve that in the new year. I think we're going to upgrade our plan to be on Spotify. So if you need Woo. to be on Spotify, we'll be there soon too. But anywhere else you find podcasts is where we are. Search for Panelism and tell your friends. You can also find us on uh, Instagram. We are panelism.inc. That's I-N-K. And that's actually our URL our URL as well, panelism.inc. You'll find all our past episodes as well as other goodies. And again, just subscribe, share, let us know what you think. If you're uh, on Instagram and you're listening, you know, recommend books for us to read. We always like that. There's actually, uh, I'll throw this out there, two things. Um, one person on Instagram, I'd posted up, speaking of The Dark Knight, I'd posted up uh, the Dark Knight Returns Noir uh, panel or two, just kind of mentioning how I prefer that format. And a uh, a helpful fan mentioned that the Dark Knight Strikes Again in Noir is actually, and, and then digitally too, so like this smaller scale black and white actually makes that book way more tolerable. Ooh. So I'm going to dive in. I'm going to be gone next week for Christmas. I'm going to dive in. I grabbed a copy on Amazon for like seven bucks. And I'm going to see if he's right. Um, curious. I'll report back. I might even do that as my my New Year pick. Um, and then also there's another uh, fan on Instagram who shared some of their own their own um, art. They're doing their own comic series and, and mentioned it. So looking into that as well. So if you've got comics you're creating, we'd love to check them out. Maybe we'll review them on the show. At the very least, we can give them a shout out. And uh, yeah, keep listening. And uh, I'll see you, Todd, on the next episode. And I'll see you guys uh, as well. All right. I will see you there or I will see you on another time.